April 2019, the Athletics' Andy Mitten was tasked by 442 magazine to fly unannounced to the heart of Sinaloa, Mexico, home to the most powerful drug cartel on the planet, and track down the coach of Mexican second division side Dorados, one Diego Maradona. This is the story about meeting Maradona. Get access to The Athletic for just £1 a month until Friday, December the 4th. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to sign up. On The Athletic, to pay tribute to Diego Maradona, Michael Cox has revisited that famous game against England in 1986, while Amy Lawrence and Oliver Kay reflect on the fantasy football and the flaws of the greatest player there has ever been. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to subscribe. Right then, Andy, first things first. What was Diego Maradona doing in Culiacan, a, a city home to the most powerful drug trafficking organisation on the planet? Diego Maradona was the coach of the city's football team, Dorados. They're in the Mexican second division. He'd been brought in to try and get them promotion to the top flight. It's a very difficult division to get out of. You need to go through a series of 42 different playoff games, <laughs> or, so it, or so it seemed. And it's also the club where... Uh, Joseph Guardiola had played uh, about 12 games, but it's not a football city. It's a city which is better known for narcos. And from a sporting perspective, baseball is the far bigger sport there. I didn't even know that Maradona was in Mexico when I was asked to go there in March 2019. It was quite the undertaking for you to get there, I understand. Yeah, it was because I'm used to interviewing footballers all the time and and traveling around Europe and even around the world to do so. And I've been to South America a lot. My problem with Maradona wasn't so much getting to Mexico because there's good flights between Europe and Mexico City and then on to Sinaloa. It was the fact that I couldn't get to him. I could only get to people at the club and they said he was doing no interviews. So they wanted me to come over and write about the club because they wanted publicity but they just said Maradona does no one-on-one interviews. So I had an editor pushing me saying, I still want you to go. We're going to send a, a war photographer <laughs> with you. And she she worked for like the New York Times. She was very, very yeah. good. And journalistically, I, I like the idea of the, of the whole thing. But we needed to get more than one story to go to Mexico because it's expensive to send mm. a, a writer and a photographer to Mexico. So we needed to get a second piece, as well as this Maradona mm. idea. At the very worst with Maradona, I could go there, I could get colour on the ground, I could speak to people at the club, such as the, the, the president of the club, the man who'd ultimately given Maradona the job. And I could get a nice feature with good pictures. And I think there's a, a fascination with the word Sinaloa because yeah. people have probably watched too much Narcos. Was there? I mean, you've been around a bit, as you say, but I mean, was there any sense of trepidation on your part for, for going there? No, because I've been to dangerous places and I've written a book on derby matches where I've spent days with hooligans mm. and my background in doing a fanzine means that you know, I know who the hooligans are at Man United. If I need to go even into Manchester City or Liverpool, I'd know people there who could, could help me and you need that. And when I did the derby book... I did like IX Fine or you can't just turn up and say, hello, I'm a British journalist because <laughs> you, you're going to get filled in. They don't like journalists. Right. You need someone to vouch for mm. you and to trust you. And you can't really mislay that trust either. 
So when I went there, I thought, even though there's a, a very high um, crime rate there, even though the US government was saying, don't go mm. there, and the British government, and they put it as category four, and just said, do not go, it's too dangerous. I thought, I'm going to come out of the airport, I'm going to get a taxi to an Ibis hotel. I'd be really unlucky if someone started shooting me. It's a city of 800,000 people. And I was prepared to take that chance. And I also was aware that there's a fascination with the city because of the narco connotations. Mm. But as soon as I got there, I was pretty relaxed. Mm. The weather was good. And I know that the crime rate had, had calmed a little bit in the previous few months. So in comparison with a European city, it's off the scale. But there was still a, a, a big city the size of Leeds where... 99% of the people went about their everyday business and the football team was doing really well. You'd spent 22 hours on a plane. You'd even left a Manchester United game early to, to go and do this, which is quite the sacrifice. After all that, just how far away were you to actually getting to the man himself? I needed a very unlikely combination of events to happen. I could only go to Mexico within a certain time scale because I was really busy. And my editor was saying, with good reason, He's probably not going to be there next year if you look right. at his managerial yeah. career. Maradona's season at Dorados, which is a 90-minute flight across the mountains from Monterey, was due to finish in mid-April. But if he reached the playoffs, he was still going to be around. Mm. And I hoped for a game, and there wasn't going to be a game. So when I left Old Trafford early, as you said, flew from Manchester to Paris. When I got to Paris Charles de Gaulle, I got a message to say, we have an open training session tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That was the first confirmation I had that Maradona was going to be in the city. Right. I was already on my way. I'd already taken a chance. and I was on my way overnight, flying ironically straight back over Manchester to, to Mexico City. And I thought, if he's there, I'm going to do my best as a journalist to get to speak to mm -hmm. him. And I thought... I'd come from Manchester. That word helps me in my job. It's not like saying you... People just associate it with football. Mm -hmm. And I found that over the years. And I also knew he'd likely be an unpredictable character where I could get there on a Monday and it'd be great. And on a Tuesday, he'd just completely ignore me or ask for $50,000. Mm. And my editor was prepared to take that chance, but it was obviously a big risk for him. The Argentinian photographer, she lived in Mexico City, so she came to meet me on the day that I arrived, completely jet-lagged, in Sinaloa, about six hours ahead of the training session. When you actually got within touching distance of, of this man, it, it felt like for about 40 years of his 60 years, he, he became something of a caricature, especially for especially for, for English people who, who hadn't had that contact with him. What were you expecting? I mean, what kind of aura were you expecting from this man? I wasn't expecting anything because I didn't know whether I was going to meet mm. him. So it all sort of came together. I was getting this succession of green lights. It was the training session will be at 5 p.m. Yeah. Okay, I'll get there at 4 p.m. I'll speak to people outside the stadium. I'll stand near the entrance so that we can catch him coming in. I'll tell as many people at the club that we've come all this way and want to speak to him. And at no point were we told we'd be able to speak to him. And there was a lot of local media there and they wanted to speak to us because we'd come from England to speak to Maradona. Mm -hmm. So there was a little bit of a fuss starting and I could hear a couple of the players 
second division Mexican players looking up. Uh, he's from Manchester. So they probably assumed I'd come to scout them for Manchester <laughs> United or Manchester City. You know, because that, that word is a strong yeah. word. They don't get many outsiders coming mm. there. And then I'm sat in the stand watching this training session where Maradona sits on an icebox. This is like his throne. Mm. And they've let 100 ultras into the stadium, which 20,000 sheer-sided stadium. And they're serenading Maradona in song. It's really loud because they've got a big playoff game coming. I'd bought the local newspaper and it had pictures of queues outside the stadium for tickets. It was going to be a 20,000 sellout. Mm. I'd arrived at a good time. And this training session went on for three hours, the first hour of which were fans just singing at Maradona and the players just being basically playing table tennis, just messing about. Mm. It was the Maradona show. And this man came to sit next to me and he, he was early 40s and he had a full training kit on. And he said, I am the club president. I've heard you here. And I thought, I'm getting somewhere mm -hmm. now. And we spoke for over an hour. And he said his son was a big Newcastle United yeah. fan. And he told me good stories about, yeah, I'm the man who gave Maradona the job. He was a really interesting guy. And I'm thinking at this point, I've got a really good feature here, even if I don't speak to Maradona himself. But I really wanted to speak to him. And the photographer was using a long lens to get pictures of him on the pitch. And we could see the Dorado's club media speaking to him and I thought this is ridiculous I'm I'm writing for an international audience he really should be giving us access yeah. but I also saw that there was a Netflix crew there and they'd been making a program about Maradona in Dorados and I also thought they've probably paid a lot of money mm. for that so they might be protective of that I met a few of the guys from Netflix they were pretty friendly with me they were surprised that I'd come and then after an hour with the president, where I was getting completely bit by flies, which were, my, my legs were covered in blood, <laughs> and the president shouted over some deet, and we smeared it on our legs, both of mm. us, and he apologised and said, yeah, there's a river behind the stand over there. I'm going to get the stadium fumigated before the, the game on Thursday. I mean, that was too late for me. I had these marks on my legs <laughs> for six weeks after. Yeah. He said, have you met Maradona's girlfriend? And I said, no. I mean, why would he have done come on I'll go and introduce you so we'd established a good rapport which you need to do as a journalist and I met her and she said why are you here and I said well I've come to interview this guy from Buenos Aires called Diego she said oh my Diego I said yeah I said but he doesn't do any interviews does he she went who's told you that <laughs> and I said well everyone at the club Mr President it's all your staff and he started laughing so she said I'm sure he'll speak to you do you want me to speak to him and the president then said no I'll speak to him so I'm getting the photographer just stay close to me. The training session had finished. Maradona was stretching on mats in front of the main stand with his players around him, and he looked to be in a good mm. mood. And I saw the president go up to him and say something, something, and I heard him say, you know, Manchester, and he looked over to me and he went, hola, <laughs> but we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And then I was ushered over and sat with him, and it was quite informal at first, and I thought, I've, I've, as a journalist, I've got to get him to engage. You can't just pull out a, a load of questions mm. say, okay, question one, because he's not even agreed to an interview. So how do you get him to engage? He started talking about Man United, about Man City, and he said, I used to support Man United as my English team and then I changed to City. And I said, this is, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't just go, you can't just go from River to Boca. 
And he went, oh, do you know about Argentina? I said, of course. I said, I've, I've been there many mm. times. I've watched football all around Buenos Aires. And I listed some of the grounds he'd, he'd been at. And so I could see I was getting his attention then, which I needed to mm. do. And I said, and when you go to Argentina as an Englishman and the whole stadium, which happens at virtually every Argentinian game I've been to, sings, if you don't dance, you're an Englishman. <laughs> You've got to have your wits about you. And he went, well, what do you do? And I said, I just got this backstory that I'm from Dublin. I'm, a tour- I'm, a, I'm an Irish tourist from Dublin. <laughs> and he liked that. Mm. So then we started. I said, do you mind if I just record this? And he said, yeah, no problem. So then we got an interview. It was very informal. It was all off the cuff. And, and it went really well. And I, and I just thought every minute I get here is a bonus. And he was talking. He loved Guardiola. He loved his tactics. He really rated Graham Sooners. Yeah. He talked about Brian Robson. So there's some really nice stuff in there. And towards the end, we had some more small talk. And he was in a really good mood. And I'm absolutely buzzing at this mm. point because I bagged the interview. And he got up and he walked away and then he turned around and he walked back to me like 30 metres, which was an effort for him because physically he's not in great, he wasn't in great yeah. shape. And he said, yeah, Manchester, he said, you know, your club, they're good at selling shirts, but they need a new manager. <laughs> me. <laughs> and, and, I, and I thought, these quotes are just going to go around mm. the world. And maybe he knew that as well. And they did do. I'd got the story. I sent my editor a picture. We did it for 442 magazine. Mm-hmm. Sent him a picture of Maradona reading the copy of the magazine with my big cover feature of Solskjaer on the front. So I was buzzing off yeah. this. And a brilliant picture. And he got that in London at 4.30 in the morning. And he just said he jumped out of bed and punched the air. <laughs> because he'd staked a lot on it as yeah, well. Sure. It all came together. If we indulge in a... In a final bit of fantasy here, um, what would you have made of Diego Maradona as manager of Manchester United? <laughs> I don't think he would have been the, the next Alex Ferguson. <laughs> However, he was doing a good job mm. there. He was doing a really, really good job. Did you get an idea of what the players made of him? They loved him. But in a, in a really footballing way. Like, I mean, we, we have this caricature of Maradona, but there, there must be a football brain in there somewhere. Of course there is. And he was saying simple stuff like, I've watched the ball arrive in a box 3,000 times. I know what yeah. I'm doing. I know how to tell a striker yeah. what, what to do. And the results spoke for themselves. He'd taken over when they were near the bottom yeah. and they'd gone on this really good run. And he did have a couple of good coaches around him and the players loved him. And two of them had, had tattoos done of him, of their boss. <laughs> they loved him. I spoke to enough of them and saw their enthusiasm and looked into their eyes, which you could only do by being mm-hmm. there as a journalist, mm-hmm. to know that... If he was a blagger, they would have raised their eyebrows or said something. But I heard stories of him visiting the local orphanages, of him refusing security, of him going to baseball matches. Mm. Of course, he had a a high salary to do that. And it was just a win-win for everyone. The, The locals loved him. I spoke to them. They said he'd raised the profile of their club. They were happy with the result, and it was just a win-win for for everybody. The president's big issue was was keeping Maradona there, because mm. they knew that because he was perceived to be doing well, he'd get he'd get other offers. Had he gone to Man United, I think it would have been really exciting for the first month or so. But not realistically, United would never ever give a job to someone with a, a really patchy managerial career. Yeah. 
you know, his, his genius was as a player on the pitch. Um, one of the lovely little details um, in this story is that you know we, you're you're face to face with a guy who's fairly unrecognisable from the Maradona at his peak, and yet he still has those pumas on his feet. Yeah, the Puma Kings. I grew up in an era when my dad and all his brothers played football, and if you were wearing Puma Kings, you were really rich because they were the. It was Puma Kings and Adidas World Cup in the eighties, <laughs> and they were just wonderful football boots. And he had them on his feet all the time, even during the the, the training session. And he was just—I wouldn't say he was moving around because he was physically he was not in good shape, and he was, you know, he was really heavy, but. I met a smiling man being watched by what looked like his his loving partner and an admiring president. And I know lots of Argentinian people. And when they saw I was there, the reaction was 80%. Wow, wow, wow. Even players. Mm. Like even Marcus Rojo saw I was there. Oh, right. And he was buzzing off it. And 20% uh, were like, don't like him or don't like him as much as he used to. His private life's a disaster. But there was a, there's a, a lot of love there, and I think we've seen that since he passed away. When you left, um, when you left Sinaloa, did it feel like kind of a job done? Well, you must have felt an immense sense of pride, you know, on, on a journalistic level. Definitely, I'd, I'd got it in the back. Mm. I'd got the interview. It was an exclusive. We'd got great pictures. Um, we walked out of that stadium. The photographer and I, I, I was more excited than she was for her she'd been commissioned to do a job and she'd done it but she was argentinian you know she knew the importance of maradona and i said to her let's go into the city center now and and for a joke i'll start dealing drugs on the street you know like a mancunian drug seller just for a laugh and she just looked at me and said don't push your yeah and 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 she was quite right you know I, i was i was buzzing with adrenaline and you know when my journalistic career is over i'll look at that trip as one of the highlights but the highlight of it was getting Maradona. So from um, from jet lag to flesh eating flies. This is this is a story wrapped up within a story. Um, thanks very much, Andy. I really appreciate you telling us about it. Thank you. I enjoyed talking about it. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. Little squat man comes inside Butcher, leaves him for dead. Outside Fennec leaves him for dead and puts the ball away. And that is why Maradona is the greatest player in the world. He buried the English defence. He picked up that ball 40 yards out. First he left one man for dead. First he went past Saxon. It's a goal of great quality by a player of the greatest quality. It's England nil, Argentina two. The first goal should never have been allowed. But Maradona has put the seal on his greatness. He's left it thumbprint on this World Cup. He scored a goal that England just couldn't cope with. They couldn't face up to. It was beyond their ability. It's England nil, Diego Maradona two.